I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you something. You know, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I'm not a whore. I've been fucked around a lot, but I'm not a whore. And my name is Colin Drucker, and I'll see you later. Which, of course, is the last line in the movie for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I'm interested to sort of break down, you know, the the two movies that we covered already. Two? Yes, two. Um, have these, like, very interesting endings. And I guess this is no exception in a way, but I, I think I was... It's like the end of a Barefoot Contessa episode. I'm like, what's she going to say at the end, you know? Yeah, and it was like, oh, okay, I guess that's the last note. I guess that's what we're going to end the movie on. All yeah. this that just happened for, you know, over an hour and a half, and we're just going to end on a random, I'll see you later. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's hasta luego. Of, yeah, it's yeah. part of what I absolutely love about this week's movie, our continuation of a month of Almodovar, and in my opinion, a a, a crown jewel, a ruby in the crown. Uh, 1999's All About My Mother is this week. So you uh, you have previously done an episode on In the Details with Leanne, Leanne Kay, as I call her in my mind. Um, so you you had not seen this movie until you did that episode with her. Is that correct? Had you heard of it? I'd heard of it. And I remember I knew that it had something to do with like uh, either like a trans person or a drag. Like I knew that much. Yeah. Like I had this vague understanding. And I was like, well, is is it about this person's mother who is trans like what is this about and and so and that was like the the extent to which i knew about all about my mother until sure uh leanne had suggested it as an episode for in the details and said no this would be a great place to start if you're not you know super familiar with almodovar and so i was like well let's dive in and so really to me like this is i mean this movie is my uh is my awakening to pedro and um yeah it just you know kind of started the love affair off with a bang yeah i really like this i will say like without hesitation like volver is like my number one but i really liked this movie a lot and like for so many i here's another thing too is i i don't know why i thought otherwise but i didn't know that pedro amadovar was gay I I just like didn't really even think about it. I was like, oh, he's just, you know, it's like that legally blonde blonde song, gay or European. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, but I was like, I feel like a gay man wrote this. I mean, all about my mother. Come on. Uh, It's just really everything that we could ever want in a movie is wrapped up into this screenplay. And I, 
I really liked that. I can't wait to talk about it because there's so like even like the the streetcar tie-in. I was like, oh my god, this is yeah. so good. Yeah, it is. It is somehow uh, tying in streetcar named Desire, all about Eve. It, yes, it's, it's yes. So many like what I love about this is that it's it's a it's a lot of you know some of the you know uh, the melodrama of women that we saw in. Volver, and I feel like both, you know, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown is kind of an interesting, like, counterpoint to Volver mm-hmm. and All About My Mother. Is like, oh, that's sort of a different beast altogether. This is, like, it takes it to a whole new level for me, and I think it takes the the charm of, like, this mostly, you know, all-female ensemble from Women on the Verge of Nervous Breakdown, and it takes kind mm-hmm. of the sort of sweeping melodrama of Volver, and I just, it, and then I feel like it just gets like the, for lack of a better description, like the A24 treatment. It just gets elevated, yes. you know? And I feel like it was everything for me that I was seeing in some of his other movies, but like done at its most seamless. And I really feel there's something to be said for when this movie was made like if i had seen this like in 1990 is 1999 right yeah correct okay yeah i i I would have been 13 and i would have been crushing like so hard on esteban like as a teenager like Uh it just has that like i don't know even like manuela just like her hair it's like the bonnie hunt hair (laughs) you know what i mean i'm just so into it as a kid we had like the independent film channel and it was sure. just like part of the premium cable. And I just feel like there was, there were like commercials for like, you know, uh, on, on Friday night, you know, there's going to be, you know, all about my, mo- my mother. And like, it just felt like something that was me seeing the kind of seeing those commercials or seeing like seeing that at the same age, 13, 14, it all felt so adult and all felt like so beyond my comprehension. And I feel like watching it now, there's this feeling of like, oh man. I completely understand so much of this. And I think it kind of goes back to like, because a gay man wrote and directed it. Yeah. I'm interested, even from when you watched it and did the episode with Leanne, watching it a second time too, did you gain anything from that? Or, you know, just giving it a little bit of time to breathe. Did you, what did you get this time around that maybe you didn't, even though you kind of just answered that question in a way? Well, I think, you know, Compared to like, you know, when we did, when I, when I did the episode with Leanne in January and kind of that first watch to now and having seen a few more movies and having spent a couple of weeks on, you know, you and I kind of dissecting Almodovar movies, I feel like seeing this a second time, already kind of knowing the, the very intricate plot or knowing what, all, how all the plot threads come together um, and having these other movies as a point of reference, I feel like I got so much more out of this. I understood like not just like the plot itself, but I also understood like how he approaches, like you just get dropped in, you know? And, uh, and, and that it, it does not follow like you, I guess I felt more acclimated to the, the kind of twisty turny path of the plot and also kind of knowing how it ends. I could see how like intricately put together this was, you know, like I could see how, and I was kind of like really even more, blown away of like how did you do this how did you put this together how did you figure this out it just uh yeah i so the the short answer to your question is i only ended up loving it more 
Yeah, I feel like it's even with a uh, Volver, like just I feel like I was in a big like 16 passenger van but I was in the back and I couldn't see where we were going and then I would look out the window and be like oh I guess I guess we're going this way Shangela mm-hmm. All Stars 3 <laughs> right, um, right, and, right. and then like I, I would imagine and, and it kind of seems the case with you too and I, I feel right now in my Almodovar like journey I'm like in the middle of the van I could kind of see where like things are going and but like maybe you're like in the passenger seat at this point too, where you're like, I can kind of see where this and it and it's cool to be up there, so you can finally not really even predict it, but just like, I don't know, understand more of it and uh, see how the sausage is made. But it's really, I mean, even the all about Eve stuff at the beginning too. It's like it's it's these Easter eggs that like everything is has intent. Like it's not just like oh he's gay he's, they're probably watching all about Eve together because that's what a gay son and like his mother would do on a Friday night but no it's like it comes into play later with the mm-hmm. whole streetcar stuff it's so it's just set up so beautifully yeah I feel like there's you know much like everything else with his movies I feel like there's nothing that's just random you know like there was even and this is jumping so far to the end but like even at the like after Manuela. Uh, meets up with Lola, you know, after uh, Rosa's funeral, and she has, you know, that very emotional conversation on the steps. And yeah. she's like, I just came here to tell you about Esteban. And then as she leaves, there's like a car, like it very, they, they very easily could have done a scene where that a car came and hit her after she told Lola that news. But, oh, yeah. and the way that they set it up, you think that that car could come out of nowhere, and it does. But it doesn't hit her, and she doesn't even, like, jump out of the way. It just felt like we were being shown, like, this scene of her crossing the street and a car not hitting her after telling Lola about Esteban being hit by a car. You know what I mean? Oh, my God, yes. And so this tiny detail, it was like that wasn't random. That was so on purpose that all of that happened the way it did. I definitely think now even just thinking back too to these Easter eggs to how Esteban all, almost gets hit when he meets up with his mom even before yep. he go to the play. I was like, ugh, it's all I this is I need to watch it again. I want to watch this again for those reasons just to see it. It's like a murder mystery only not, I guess. It's mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's so fun. And I I also found watching it the second time around like, oh, this movie got me so choked up a few times and I really I mean a lot of it certainly goes back to Cecilia Roth as Manuela, <sighs> who is, goes through it, like, yeah. goes through it in this movie. It is, of course, she won the Goya. Like, let's be of clear. Course. She won the Goya. I watched the very... speech, yes. Oh, yes. you did? Well, she wasn't oh. there. I don't think she was there. And, um, oh my goodness, who is it? Uh, Marisa Paredes, who played Uma, oh. accepted oh. on her behalf. I mean, She's like the Spanish Kate Blanchett. Like she's such a Stella at this. Uh, not no, not Stella. She's a Blanche. Uh-huh. Um, and I just I can't get enough of her either. She's so like stern looking. Oh, uh, but we'll we'll get to her. Sorry, yeah. I'm going off the no, rails. No, I know, here. no, she is a queen. But yeah, uh, indeed, like the now Cecilia Roth, who has been in other Almodovar movies, but this is the first time, and I think the only time we're going to talk about her this month. But she. I mean, there's moments of Tony Collette in Hereditary, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. on so many levels, too. Yes. Yeah. And she, she's just I, 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 incredible. And a similar feeling that I had when, when we talked about Women on the Verge with um, 
Carmen Maura as Pepa, where it was like, why do I feel, why are you so familiar? Why do you yes. feel like the mom of a friend, I, a kid I grew up with, you know? I, I don't know what that is, but Pedro's ability to like cast these women who just feel there's a deja vu about them, you know? Yeah, I don't know how to describe that either, too, because it just makes sense and there's no questioning it i yeah i don't know what that is either but i i so appreciate it i i think it's just like i don't know it's like a gay man's eye i mean maybe mm-hmm. he was i'm sure obviously he had a, a hand in casting but obviously there's the casting director as well but like i i just love that we get to see these women it almost reminds me of like really good Woody Allen movies minus like mm-hmm. Woody Allen you know what I mean right, take him right. out and play replace him with Pedro and I don't know like Pedro's past you know but I feel like he's a good guy so we're just gonna go with that and oh um, yeah I love the women that he brings to the front I wish it's like is there currently an American equivalent of that you know what I mean I feel like even mm. with all these like um I think of uh like the humans and even uh the gentleman who wrote doubt or not doubt uh jesus christ mass you mm-hmm. know what i mean like i feel like uh gay men in in movies that are directors slash writers or some combination of that that are giving these women the roles of their lives like that's more of that please yeah i don't know who like that's a good question of like is there an american equivalent i i think woody allen that's a that's a really uh that makes a lot of sense to me in terms of like there were familiar cast members and 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 people who might be in a like leading supporting role in one movie, only appear in a party scene for three lines in another movie. Yeah, but there's that sense mm-hmm. of them being part of the the stock, and I feel like uh, Almodovar has that with women and without all of the creepy stuff. So it's really you know the best of both worlds. But yeah, win win. Yeah. Uh, now I mean to to give some context for all about my mother which i think is important to mention uh finally not that the oscars matter but finally won the oscar for best foreign language film uh for yes. 1999 which i think um is is appropriate i don't even know who else the nominees were and i don't care uh That's because right. the the answer is correct but it is uh more similar to volver than women on the verge and you know in that it is it, certainly more on the on the dramatic side there is as you said kind of even a a, a, like a murder mystery element without a murder you know like yeah even though there is one but it's not like a traditional like agatha christie whodunit it's like yeah 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 there's a death that that sets things off so uh cecilia roth plays um manuela whose son esteban is tragically hit by a car after trying to get the autograph of Yuma Rojo. After that, uh, Manuela decides to leave Madrid and goes to Barcelona primarily to tell Esteban's father that he's passed away. And uh, in her search for him, or for her now, because uh, Esteban's father now identifies as Lola, Manuela reconnects Mm -hmm. with old friend Agrado played by Antonio San Juan, oh, yes. best supporting a grotto. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Yuma Rojo and her lover, uh, Nina, who also plays Stella in Streetcar Named Desire, are going through, through, through their own dramas and through a, a series of kind of all about Eve turn of events. Manuela mm-hmm. eventually becomes uh, Yuma's assistant. She even becomes, you know, Stella in a, in a production one night when Nina's too, you know, uh, 
too fucked up on drugs to go on stage. Yeah. And, and all of that without even having introduced Sister Rosa, played by Penelope Cruz. I mean, Penelope Cruz, man, she is like inching into like one of my like top 10 favorite actresses. I just want to watch everything she does. Yeah. I love watching her cry. I, you know, very much this sort of like Amy Adams and Doubt role, but not really at the same time. Mm. It's just sort of that energy to an extent, I guess, uh, way different. And I just love that we're coming off of Volver to this um, because like we were saying, you know, it's like she was front and center and she's still kind of like a key player in this movie but a totally different vibe so much younger like i i felt yeah. like, and and next week with parallel mothers is gonna be really interesting because we re- i <sighs> i didn't realize how different she would feel in this movie versus volver i mean she's she feels like a like i, I think she's supposed to be like 26 but she just feels so much younger in this then the, you know, whatever, nine-year age gap, you know, between this and Volver. Like, she seems 15 years younger, you know? Yeah, I just feel like she, I mean, she just gets it. Like, you you don't question, like, even just, like, I feel so much of, like, her, it's, like, similar to how I feel about Viola Davis. It's, like, you know, at the very beginning of The Help, when she's staring at that picture of her son, it's, like, you know, you, you already know everything. Mm-hmm. And even in Volver, it's, like, it's, like, this woman has seen some things and, like, have has had to, like, take care of everything and her daughter. And then something unthinkable happens. And she's just, I, I don't know. I just love watching her... Um, even though like we're not watching her process obviously because it's the finished product too like i just want to have a conversation with her about acting i wonder if there are interviews out there because i just feel like she is so studied and so nuanced and i and it's because shamelessly enough i guess it's like you you kind of maybe just assume like oh she's just beautiful and she's you know that's why she's an actress but it is the, the furthest thing from the truth let me assure you everyone there was a time when when I feel like she was being perceived as like, well, if you can't get Salma Hayek, just get Penelope Cruz. Like it was sure. that kind of reductive, like, oh yeah, it's just kind of like you know. Um, and granted, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I well, I've said that you know, if you can't get Christine Baranski, just get Wendy Malick. I think that is totally different, and sure, uh, not the same, and uh, I will not be judged. But I, uh, in this movie, where you know, compared to Volver, where she is very much. This mother with a control over her life who is navigating all of these challenges, but at the helm of the navigation. Uh, here she plays a pregnant nun who is trying to help uh, Manuela and Agrado get jobs, you know, off the street. And it, it, she's kind of like, I feel like she is the. I don't want to say she's the heart of the movie, but she's the sweetheart of the movie. You know, like there's just this kind of like puddly eyed innocence about her and this this daughter energy that's almost rep- reminiscent of Paula in Volver. Yeah. Oh, I love the word puddly eyed because that is that's that is her. I mean, mm-hmm. she is she's like the cool nun. <laughs> you know what I yes. mean? She doesn't she just like um, I don't know. It kind of takes me back to even um 
holy camp too you know what i mean it's like oh, everyone yeah. has everyone had a past before they came and became a nun you know or enters the clergy i guess but like you see that there's no judgment in talking to these women too and like how you want the best for her always and it's it's like when manuela was like i don't know if i can take care of you like get out of here i was like no she couldn't oh, go know. i know and the relationship with her mother too i mean complicated Right, right. Because meanwhile, you know, it's like uh, Rosa tries to get Manuela a job as a cook at her, you know, her parents' home where her mm -hmm. father has Alzheimer's. And of course, that, you know, factors in towards the end of the movie. And but it but then within that, it's like throughout this movie, there is a theme of like replacements and being a replacement or replacing someone's role or replacing a person. It, it happens multiple times in the movie and we can jump to a bunch of examples but one of the the more obvious ones is the way in which rosa is looking for men, for manuela to be her replacement mother and to be oh, the mother yeah. that she needs and it's like and it's no coincidence that manuela and rosa's mother look very similar and both have blonde hair oh yeah oh my gosh i'm loving this and even yeah. like the baby at the end is sort of replacing esteban in a way yes. it's, it's oh, just the layers of the third esteban the idea yeah. that Manuela is now the mother of Esteban, who was fathered by her son Esteban's father. Uh, I know it's, it's it's wild. It's wild. It's so. I mean, it's so much about healing as well. You know, like I feel like for Manuela, she goes through this tremendous loss, and then by the end of the movie, she's she has back what she lost, and then some. She she lost you know, nearly 18-year-old Esteban at the beginning of the movie, and at the end, she has two-year-old Esteban, you know? So it's, in some yeah. ways, I feel like there's so much of a sense of, of regret that Manuela has about her life and about getting pregnant by Lola and, and, and fleeing Barcelona, and I feel like by the end, it's like she's getting a second chance at her entire life, you know? Yeah, in a way, I feel like it's so important that they do mention Manuela's age because she's because she's thirty eight, which is not mm -hmm. old by any means. Like there's there, I mean, I just feel like the the median age for having children is going up and up and up. So it's like there's still possibility there. It's there's no like questioning of like, oh, well, she's too old to take care of that baby. You know, what I mean, what's she gonna do? It's just like it works, um, and especially. I, it's complicated, but like, what a story. What a story. Yeah. Well, and that fits also into the theme that we've seen in all of the Amadovar movies so far of like, especially in this world of women is like, you're just, everything's accepted. You're just, you're accepted. You're validated. You know what I mean? So like by yeah. the end, even though there is conflict with Rosa's mother, by the end, they clear it up. We don't even see them clear it up. She's like, oh yeah, no, she came around. Everything's fine now. And there's nobody trying to take the baby away from Manuela. There's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, Agrado and Yuma are happy to see her again. Like, there's no, uh, you know, it, it, it's why I think that moment where Manuela says, tells Rosa she can't take care of her, I think it's why that stands out because so rarely, so far, have we seen the women reject each other in these movies, you know? Like, in all three of these movies, the women are each other's supports, you know, supports and, and like, you know, community. Oh, my God. It, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking back to the other movies we've talked about so far, too. It's like, I, it kind of, this is, like, a little bit of a tangent, too, but it kind of reminds me of, like, Schitt's Creek, how there's no, like, homophobia, there's no racism. Yeah. And, it, and it, 
you feel like that would be a sort of like a conflict killer in a way, but you can still have your cake and eat it too. I I, I just feel like even with um um Penelope Cruz's sidekick when they go um, bury the body, you know what I mean? There's no questions asked. Oh, and it's Volver, like these right? Are, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and Volver. Sorry, yeah. Um, it's 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 just like okay, let's go. And I, I it's so important though, and you. Like you said, you think, you know, there's no, they just pick up where they left off and it always works. It like defies logic, but yeah, I, I, I love it. I think Manuela and Agrado are a great example of that. You know, um, Manuela returns to Barcelona looking for Lola and there is, I mean, that unbelievable shot of like that big overhead, like aerial shot of Barcelona oh, and yes. that music. I had like chills all up my thighs. I was like, mm-hmm. <gasps> Oh, guess what we're going to get played off by today? That music. <laughs> oh. And, you know, she arrives in Barcelona and then she takes a taxi to go wherever out off the highway where people know to yes. go to find sex workers. And it's it's beautiful. It's fucking mm-hmm. beautiful. Like, and it's also lurid and surreal. Like, it's it's basically this bonfire and these cars that are just kind of circling it slowly while all these sex workers are kind of like, you know, uh, shimmying at the window. And and there's, you know, Manuela looking for Lola. And uh, and then she eventually spots her old friend Agrado getting, you know, uh, assaulted by some guy and immediately, like, throws a, ro- a, a rock in her, per- her pocketbook and, and, you know, clonks him on the head and, and saves Agrado. And then even Agrado, like helps him she's like oh go back to so-and-so by the bonfire she'll take care of you yes yes and and then they immediately pick up it's like oh my god it's you and agrado i think says something like you know this isn't just because you saved my life i'm really happy to see you and they are immediately friends again yep walking arm in arm through that tunnel it's like these women are fearless yeah It, it, it tells us again it's like this the writing is so good because like you know like since she's friends with agrado and, and you know and now lola too it's like that was her circle like she might not have been like a prostitute or anything like that but she definitely ran with those people like i feel like she sort of went the other way and had her son and 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 started a new life but like she's not afraid to like go into this circle to search for the person that she's looking for because she knows where to find them too there it's like even though Mm. she looks like a mom she still has all that underneath her it's like and it makes sense oh that's interesting right that manuela has a history in this world that she was because i think she tells the story to rosa that maybe they had opened like a bar or a cafe or something in barcelona because i think what it is is that manuela and lola are from argentina and so then okay. they eventually moved to like they first they were in like France and they moved to to Barcelona. They opened like let's say they opened a bar and I think maybe Manuela worked there because she is a cook. And then that was when she talks about how Lola was like in a bikini just fucking anything that that was you know everything that was moving. Yeah, I I think one of my favorite things about like movies that are written so well is I I just. And I feel like we've talked about movies like this in the past, whether we've like said it out loud or like they give you just enough to get an idea of who this person is, whether that's, you know, like, like, uh, you know, Agrado saying like, oh, that's when I got my tits, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, and, but they also make you work for, you know, really truly understanding, uh, you know, the history behind these women too. But, but it's like, but it's all there. All the pieces are in front of you, but like the movie keeps going. So that's why I, I'm really excited to co- go back and watch this eventually to just, 
pick up more of those breadcrumbs, whether they're like, you know, Easter eggs or not. I, I just, I just like to study his writing. Like you said, it's like, I don't, it's, it's masterful. It is so compelling and cool. And I, I just really feel like, I don't know. I haven't been so excited about like a filmmaker in a while, I guess. Not that, you know, mm-hmm. not not that we haven't been covering good movies because we have obviously too, but it's maybe more, you know, we, we we usually mention the writer maybe once or twice, if if at all, and talk about the performances. Whereas like with Pedro Almodovar movies, it's like, it's you have to talk about everything. You have to talk about the direction and the detail and the writing and the performances. It's uh, It's just too much. Yeah, I, I guess it's, you know, all I can think of in terms of, like, a, a similarity is, like, Hitchcock, where, like, when you talk about a Hitchcock movie, you mm. always are also talking about the technique of it. You're talking about kind of the artistry of how it was, how the script was devised or how a scene was set up as much as you're talking about the performance within it. And so I think, yeah, um, and, may, and maybe that was true when we did our, our Psycho episode, you know, where it's, like, it's as much about Janet Lee's performance as it is about, like, the tension of like the scene and how Alfred Hitchcock created that. And I think um, with this, like what I, what I kind of like am soak in, for example, is the ways in which we see all about Eve and streetcar named desire start to like weave into this other very Almodovar narrative about mothers and, and, you know, uh, forgiveness and healing and all of that. And I think in particular, the all about Eve layers, because I, the streetcar named desire ones almost like when when Yuma says like I've always depended on the kindness of strangers, it almost feels like the most obvious connection uh, between the play and reality. But then I feel like there are ways in which a grotto, for example, is the Thelma Ritter character in All About Eve. Oh my gosh! I mean, you know. Side note: We need to do All About Eve. We, we have to know. put that in the forefront. Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> Yeah. It's time. If anything, this is like a gentle reminder. Like, hey, maybe in June. All about mm-hmm. June. <laughs> All about June. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in, in some ways, I really feel like she is... In, uh, Grotto reminds me of Thelma Ritter in some ways, uh, you yes. know? Uh, and what I love the most, and I don't know if this is on, uh, on purpose, but as a, as a gay man and as an actrosexual, what always stands out to me with All About Eve is the way in which... Thelma Ritter kind of disappears in the second half of the movie, and she's not really worked into the plot once things get going. And what I love about this is that character gets a fucking monologue in the second half of the movie. She gets to be the star for a night. And I don't know, that just feels like that's where I would want to like talk to Pedro and be like, so was like, did you know that you needed to make sure that a grotto got a moment in act two? Like, or was that just always going to happen? You know, like, is this, are you making up for what Thelma Ritter didn't get 70 years ago? What's yeah, going on I know. here? You know? Yes. <laughs> I mean, th- so that could have been cut so easily. Like yes. that wasn't, uh, it's like no, when we, what we say about performances, like nobody told them to do that. Like it's the, it's, it's, we're finally saying that to like writers and directors now with Pedro, because I do feel like it's just, Ugh, I mean, sign me up for a one-woman a grotto show because right? I I love the people stayed. I love the people just again with this sort of supportive environment. It's just like, all right, I'll listen to this lady talk, and uh, she's actually kind of great. <laughs> what Almodovar does consistently uh, is like he will give a, a supporting character, you know, the movie. He will give two supporting characters mm-hmm. 
For example, like Rosa and her mother, there were scenes of just the two of them alone. Both of them are supporting characters. And yet, like, at some points, the movie is all about them, you know? And so yes. in this section of the movie, it's all about a grotto because she's got that whole scene, you know, in the dressing room where the Stanley wants her to give him a blowjob. And it's a phenomenal scene, I feel like, especially for 1999, in terms of, like, trans representation. I mean, she is... It's so brilliant where she's like, just because I have a, a dick, does, you know, does that mean that, like... What you have a dick? Is everyone asking for you to suck theirs or to suck your dick? Like what's going? You know, like she's. <laughs> yes. It's like don't just treat me as a sex object here. And then of course at the end she's like, and just to show you how compassionate, and open-minded I am, I am going to give you a blowjob. But like, what I love about that is like it's her choice at that point. And I think yes, like to see a grotto get so many like none of that is necessary. None of that contributes to the plot. None like it just. It, it's not quote unquote important. And yet we get this whole little chapter that's just all about Maya Grotto. Yeah. I mean, I would love, you know, it's almost as exciting of thinking about like making the nominees for the Westons this fall, but like, just like, I'm, I don't know, some sort of diagram of all of his movies and all the women and like screen time versus, you know, like who's featured, you know, like who gets this attention and is there a pattern like, is there a template? I, I want to say that there probably isn't just because it seems too formulaic, I guess, to work. But it, it, it does. Like, I, I love the way you said that. Like, they do get the movie. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like this ebb and flow. And, I mean, take a drink every time I say this. It just works really well. Every review that I'll read, you know, in kind of prepping for these episodes, I always feel like it opens with, like, this shouldn't work. You know, like, all of these, these yes. different threads should not connect, but they do. I, I want to like even just talking about Esteban for a moment too. He, he's so he's not really in the movie, but I love that like it it's it's the thing that like sets off everything, of course, too. And but like I love and obviously it's Pedro who wrote this, but like um it's like such it's so angsty but so beautiful. Like I found a box of photos in my mother's room and all the photos were torn in half and in, on the, in the other half of that photo was my entire life. I was like, "Ugh, it's like poetry." It is just like and like what he could have became, you know, cuz I mm-hmm. feel like he was nurtured and like again, it's like a mother-son relationship like you know, he's queer, we know it, and but like right. there's no there's no friction between them you know whatever happened or you know whether he had like a coming out conversation with her it's like it's already over we we pick up like right where we need to pick up and it's like a healthy com uh, not conversation a relationship and it's it's so it's such a shame that we don't get to see more of him because i i just it's like that could have just been the movie um you know maybe and maybe he died at the end in the car crash you know what i mean again i feel like we said that maybe for volver too like that could have just been the movie we don't need all this other stuff but yet we do well and some of that goes back to you know the relationship and kind of her acceptance of esteban goes back to like manuela's past and like manuela that's true yes all like so much uh, someone being gay big deal like yeah and i i love that kind of groundwork as well um, and then and in terms of, I hear you, I feel like, you know, knowing that Esteban is going to die in this movie, it almost, it's kind of like with Hereditary where like the first act is kind of painful because you know, this isn't going to end well. And I mean, it also just in terms of similarities to Hereditary, when, uh, when Esteban is hit by the car and Manuela mm. is just like running down the street screaming 
and and then there's you know in the rain in the rain too you know there's like a, a shot of like esteban's point of view kind of hazy you know what with manuela just like screaming and i love that the subtitles didn't even translate it was like me hijo me hijo like me hijo or something yeah. like that like if, and for some reason i would that moved me so much. I was like, yeah, this, you don't even, tra- this isn't about words. You know what I mean? Nope. Like, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to translate this. This is just like, I don't know. Like that was, I, I realized that was probably, I have no idea why those words weren't translated, but like it meant something that like, yeah, her grief didn't need to be translated in that moment. It was so raw, you know? What a choice. I, that makes me love that even more. And she's just, you know, she's just saying my son, me, me hijo. It's just yeah. like, I, yeah. But the other thing too is like, oh my God, what, how much would I, we have loved like a scene with Esteban and a grotto, like the two of them just oh, like know. palling know. around. But like, she would have never reconnected with a grotto if it wasn't for what happened to Esteban. It's just yeah. like, all of this, she would have never went that. back. Yeah, because she was living her life. I think I want to talk about uh, Rosa's mom too, because like the, the the relationship between the two, and like you know, there, there's this thing at the beginning where she, uh, Sister Rosa, played by Penelope, um, is she's like, where's she gonna go to El Sal- Salvador or something like yes. that? Is that where she was going? She, she was on this, like go... mission trip or something. Yeah, and what's interesting, it's almost along the same theme of replacing, is that she was gonna replace some nuns that were killed there who were volunteers. Yes, again. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it's like, you get this idea that her parents, I just feel like with their, like how beautiful their house is, that they're like well off. And it just seems like, it's like the daughter of like a rich, wealthy couple becoming a nun. It just, again, doesn't really like make sense on paper, but like it, it's like so perfect too. And like, I don't know why I'm kind of blanking a little bit too. Like why, besides the fact that um, Rosa was going to go to El Salvador, like what, what is the main friction there? Besides the fact that like her mom has to take care of her father who has Alzheimer's and like, that's obviously like a lot, you know, what, what is yeah. the underlying, like that relationship is interesting to me. Right, because when we're introduced to them, like when Rosa brings Manuela to her parents' home to try to have her be, you know, uh, get you know, get a job as their cook, what we hear from Rosa's mother is like, I so we so rarely see you that like, you know, whatever, it's always a pleasant yeah. surprise, and and it's interesting because they're in the same city, you know, it's not like they're that far away from each other. Yeah, I don't know. That's just a, I think that's just something that we we know that there is a strain in the relationship, but we don't know what it is you know prior to everything else that happens in the movie rosa getting pregnant having hiv all of that Mm -hmm. yeah well i guess like going along with your theory of replacement it's like she's replacing her father with like the holy father really it's like she's choosing Mm. to not take care of her dad because like it just seems like rosa would drop everything to come back like it just seems like she has that nurturing but like, and I think that's really kind of where the resentment is, I guess, if we really think about it. It's like you chose the church over your father. You chose the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost over your own father. And I'm going to resent you for that forever, really. It's just like this annoyance. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because then thinking about, I think, one of the most moving scenes of the movie is um, towards the end when they're going oh, to the, the dog. hospital. Oh, yeah. wait, no, sorry. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dog scene. Yeah, and what was the dog's name? Like, Sapik. Sapik. Um, yeah. So Rosa's father, you know, walks Sapik, their golden or, or uh, German Shepherd, 
you know, walks to peak through the square every day. And so on the way to the hospital to deliver the baby, you know, and, and there's kind of that melodramatic sense of like, oh, you know, it's like somebody in the movie, in a movie having consumption. It's like, okay. Yeah. You know, and I, I say that. And then there was uh, Augustina in Volver who did not die, but it was a similar feeling of like, there's somebody languishing in the movie. Yes. And then they stop at the square and Rosa sees Sapik and, and the father and she calls for Sapik and he comes. When he came, when the dog comes running towards the open taxi door, I was ruined. I was like, no, this oh. is all it takes. This is all it takes. And there was Penelope with the big wet eyes. Yes. Was a mess. Puddly eyed. Yeah. Oh God. And so then, you know, the, the, she's holding the dog and there's, it broke my heart because it was like knowing she kind of knew she was going to die, you know? And it was really, yeah. what was interesting though, is she was saying goodbye to the dog. There was, granted her father has, you know, dementia or Alzheimer's, but there, she never tried to kind of confuse him, I guess, in that moment. And, and, you know, the father says like, Oh, that dog will go to anybody, you know, like doesn't understand why Sapik is connecting with Rosa. And, um, and I, I thought that scene was interesting and in that, well, she is saying goodbye, you know, goodbye to her father. She's saying that more to herself after he's gone. And that, yeah, the, the connection with her father, she never tries to reconnect with him. She never tries to be there for him. Um, and so I wonder what that's telling us about their relationship before all of this. Yeah. And again, if I was in the writer's room, I would just be like, why, why does she not go back? You know, like just, mm -hmm. I, I would, I would be like such a spaz about it. I feel I would be like arguing with, uh, Pedro. I mean, I, why it, she's a nun. She's like, it, but like, I also love that she just, she sticks to her guns. And I think maybe this is what I was going to say about this movie too, is like, there's no, there's no lead up to anything. Like just like with uh, Volver at, on that on that bench scene when she was like, when she tells um, Penelope Cruz about like the fire and like what really happened and the affair and like it's because that's how human that's like how life is. There's not like some dramatic reveal, you know what I mean? Where they're staring out a window into the rain. It's just like this is what's going on. And with because you and and how it relates back to um, all about my mother is like you. you I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the first time we actually see her father. So you don't know it's her father until like the dog kind of comes running and then you're like, oh my God, is that her dad? And then she says, bye dad. And it's just like, you know, it wrecks you. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is the first time we see him because then the next time we, we see him is then when he, yeah, you know, when, when the baby is at the house and, and Manuela is there as the, as the cook. Yeah, and so it really is the first time. So yeah, we're very disconnected from him as well. Yeah. It's it's so great. I I I just this movie could have easily been called like the replacements, whatever that is yeah. in Spanish. Um, yeah, because it was. I mean, you know, going down the line, there's like you know, uh, and, and Lola, you know, kind of replacing in a way Esteban, uh, the original, the first Esteban, um, yes. the father of the babies. Then there's you know, son Esteban being replaced by new baby Esteban. There's Manuela replacing Nina as Stella. There's a Grotto replacing Manuela as Yuma Rojo's assistant. Um, yep. You know, it, it's there's Manuela being the replacement for you know Rosa's mother. I mean, even Manuela's job, you know, kind of doing creating like creating these training videos for like organ donations. Like she is playing the proxy of somebody in these scenes. Like she is 
um, she's performing that role of of somebody who yes. is, you know, in grief and then later has to live that out in real life, you know, in that amazing scene in the hospital oh. hallway with her coworker and her name was Mamen. And, you know, they're sitting there and the doctors pull up the chairs and the one doctor just says, unfortunately, and she just doubles over crying. And it's, it's such a, 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 yeah, it was amazing because that's so it. Like in those scenes, it, it's, you, you don't need to say anything else. The moment the doctor says, unfortunately, you know, it's everything you need to know, you know? Yeah, and I love that it had that sort of moment of like, again, like this Woody Allen wink about how, because it's in the trailer too, um, how the doctors like, they stand in front of her and then they pause and then they go grab the chairs. It's yeah. almost funny, but it's not because you know that that's, it's, it's telling of what's about to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in some ways, even them just pulling up the chairs kind of tells you everything. Um, and Oh, go ahead, go ahead. And I was going to say also just on a side note, I had watched one of the trailers and I was like, this ruins so much of the movie. It's disgusting. For this movie, All About My yeah. Mother? Yeah. I, I will say that I watched it before I watched the movie and I, <laughs> it was the opposite for me because I'm just, I'm what an idiot. I just like, it just <laughs> thought it was like, it was like a fever dream in a way too. Like you see these flashes of everything, but I was like, I wonder how all these go together. Cause this is crazy. You see like, um, you know, Uma on stage as Blanche Dubois. And I'm like, what the heck is this movie about? But I did not, it didn't ruin anything for me. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. But did you, even when the first time you watched it with Leanne, did you watch the trailer before? No, I went in oh, totally good, 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 blind. Good. And I, and I really feel like these movies you know, like Parallel Mothers. I'm not going to watch a trailer. No, I, I, I refuse. Yeah. I've only looked a little bit at the cast, and it looks like there's some uh, there's some familiar Pedro's Chicas who are going to be other alum. than Penelope. Okay. Um, but yeah, some alum. I think, uh, what's her name? Uh, who was in, I think she was in Women on the Verge, Julieta Sedano. Is that a name that we've talked I about? I can't remember. Yeah. I, there's, there's I remember be... Julieta. Yeah. Oh my God. It's Lucia. It's the, it's the, with the two guns. <gasps> oh great oh my god that's so cool um anyway two things i want to i want to talk about that you know we we've talked a little bit about the the scene where after rosa dies uh there there's her funeral and manuela we finally see lola because kind of to your point about rosa's father we never see lola except in that one yeah. picture until you know this scene at the funeral and so she arrives and and it's a it's you know worth mentioning just in terms of like casting and whatnot. So like a grotto, for example, is a trans woman being played by a cisgendered woman, which I didn't realize until after. I just for whatever it's worth, I was like, oh, I thought that was an actual trans person. Yeah, um, it's great casting. Really yeah, great casting. Yeah, and I know that some people would say, oh, you know, whatever would question that, but I feel like considering so many factors, I feel like sure, ideally, this would be an opportunity for a trans actress. That being yeah. said, in 1999, this kind of representation of a trans woman in a movie is far outweighs any loss that we might point out 23 years later, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely, because it's there's such an arc, and, like, it's, um, you know, even though she, you know, we don't find her in the best of circumstances, like, it's, it's not this tragic story for her. No. If anything, she triumphs. Yeah, she triumphs. She, like 
has you know a, a sort of a you know agency over her sexuality by the end mm-hmm. i mean there's there's so much better she becomes the star by the end and like yeah i think it's important to see where she started at the beginning of this movie to see where she ends up you know and mm-hmm. um and so and then lola is played by uh, a cisgendered actor though his name is tony as in tony collette uh tony canto uh and Fun fact, I was looking through the awards, and I guess there is kind of this, <laughs> the Spanish version of the Goya is the Yoga Awards, and, <gasps> and Tony was nominated as, like, Worst Actress. <laughs> and oh, I don't know no. if it was because like it was the a, Razzies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I don't know if it was because of, like, just, you know, a man in a dress kind of thing. I, I sure. don't know if, I, I did feel he, he was kind of a schlocky actor, but I felt like it. I, I liked that. Like, the yeah. scene where Manuela tells Lola so about Esteban dying, there was kind of a soap opera kind of reaction. But I was like, yeah, this is a soap opera moment. That's fine, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting because even... It's, I, I still want to get to the last scene. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think that um, we were talking before about how Manuela, like, she seems, for lack of a better word, like, pretty cool with everything that you know, where Lola went and her path. But at the same time, she held back that she was pregnant with her his, her son uh, yeah. when she left, too. So it's like, it's almost like she had, I don't know, it's like the one thing that she had control and agency over is like, it's like that's how her sort of, you know, anything that, uh, you know, Manuela blamed Lola for or any sort of like regret she had in the relationship. She's like, well, I'm just not going to tell him about this right. and, and then the fine and the fact that she finally got to tell him that and it really kind of healed both of them at the same time well yeah and i think beautiful it, it was interesting how like lola finds out about having a son and then that son dying and then the way that this new baby you know and getting to meet this baby before he dies you know uh becomes a healing there you know what i mean like i and, and i feel like it in the in the same ways that Manuela gets so much of her life back with kind of this new opportunity to be the mother of baby Esteban, I feel like mm-hmm. along that path she gets to include Lola in that narrative in like a in a healthy way. Like there really is kind of a like let's completely replace the history that that we went through and have yeah. a new one. You know, because it is their story just with a different woman. Yes, and she she gets to again be the replacement and it's i it's it's wild it's yeah, so good it's right, so good manuela replaces rosa and in a way rosa had replaced manuela in a moment you know like there was it's just great and then at the end you know uh we we jump ahead in time pretty quickly if, you know and first you know manuela leaves uh barcelona with the baby and then you know uh they, they, she comes back to Barcelona two years later because she's going to an AIDS conference because uh, the baby has, you know, uh, is, is HIV negative and has not mm-hmm. seroconverted and, and sort of a, a medical miracle of sorts. And so there's also that, too, of like it's, it's, it's also positive, you know, in, you know, no pun intended, but like it's mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's all good news. And then she goes back to see Yuma and Agrado. And at that point, I think Yuma is in. She's, uh, I, I, is this Salome that she's in? Is it a, a Lorca play? She's in something at the end, and I, I can't remember what it was supposed to be, but it's a new show that she's in at the end. You want to know what I thought of this? And this might be crazy. It felt like it was 
like they took Manuela's story and adapted it for the stage. Because like if you notice, if you notice, they have like the same wig on. And there was something even in like the rehearsal, like where they rehearsing lines or something. Oh, no, there was like a rehearsal with the director. Yep. And I mean, there was something about like baking bread or something. She was, but I am not that has anything to do with anything, but like, it just felt like, I don't know, like uh, that story was being told on stage. And I was like, oh, that's kind of (laughs) cool. I don't know. Like that's that's just like conjecture though. Like, I don't know. It just, it's just where I, where I landed with it. Or it's it's an allusion to an older play that like we're seeing similar themes of as we were as Street Car Named Desire, you know? Where, yeah, like, for sure. In the end, Yuma is like doing a scene of a mother whose child has died, and like the idea of like, and I I wash my hands in my child's blood because he is a part of me. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know, I guess that kind of certainly speaks to whether it's a direct, you know, adaptation of Manuela's life. Or it's some other play that has a, a theme that ties back to Manuela. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, it, it's a sense of, of quote unquote replacement or of playing someone else's role is happening at the end with Yuma. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, she, uh, Manuela, you know, reconnects with Yuma in a grotto in the, in the, uh, the dressing room again and sees that Yuma yeah. has Esteban's picture that, Lola gave to her after she died, which I also yes. just love the idea that Lola and Yuma Rojo had a connection. <laughs> like, I know. What was it's like, that? how did that happen? Yeah. I think that was maybe the tie in. I was like, okay, yeah, it's definitely the story of Esteban's life. And that was like her sort of motivation for the play. Because, right. like, why else would she have that picture? But again, you know, the story, Manuela's story it's not the only story that has like a mother who lost a son. It could be one of a hundred plays. So, but you know. Yeah, I feel Ugh. like it might be a reference we don't know that they didn't telegraph as much, but uh, a reason to rewatch. But yeah, then it yeah, the... maybe the play's called All About My Mother. Yeah, <laughs> All like, About Manuela. Meta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. If the play was literally called All About My Mother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I love this ending, this random fucking ending where, mm-hmm. you know, Yuma's got to go out on stage and then Manuela asks about Nina. Uh, her her old lover and it's like oh no Nina's gone she's married now and she's got this baby it's really ugly it's really fat and oh, yeah, I like that uh, and then Yuma turns around before she leaves and she says I'll see you later and then she leaves to go on stage and the movie fucking ends I like and then there's like that that whole like title card about the dedication to actresses yeah. and whatnot which yes is oh my god I loved that yeah I mean just to be like abundantly I want, that's a clear. Bag. Yeah, right? I want that on a tote bag is the whole the whole title card at the end. In Spanish. Yes, yeah. yes. The dedication to, I think it was like, Romy Schneider, uh, Jenna Rowland, Rollins, mm-hmm. and um, I Betty can't Davis, remember. probably. Betty yes. Davis. Uh, and like all of the actresses and all of the mothers. I mean, it was really just the manifesto of Almodovar. But I just, I that would be my biggest question to him is like, what made you decide to make this scene talking about a char- a supporting character who's no longer in the movie that you know Agrado talks about her fat ugly baby Yumarojo then turns and says okay I'll see you later and then leaves why was that the last line why i love it i just want to know why I want to know why the Sally Field why. is still Magnolia's. I, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I know, uh, and but, you're like holding Pedro. Ask him! Yes. <laughs> Take a whack at Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, my, my only 
explanation like i think that's that's like the fun part of it is like there is no reason it's just you know everyone is fine and maybe you can like really kind of i don't know some sort of like walking onto stage or becoming someone like maybe mm-hmm. there's some sort of theater metaphor in there somewhere too but i i just feel like it's that's how that day ended or that's 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 where he wanted us to to stop i think this is a good place to stop which like for a writer i feel like is impossible because it's all about the ending all about my ending uh-huh. all about my ending <laughs> all about my ending yeah like because i feel like the ending of anything is like everything to me everything about a movie or a book or a show hinges on the little like pinpoint ending of it you know what i mean like yeah the final note is it, it, everything's leading up to that and so like the closer a movie gets i feel like to the end the more important every beat is you know and so that's yeah, why it's... i feel like mm-hmm. to choose this this random line that says nothing but from a supporting character again is is so like deliberate you know because again, too, it's like Uma is the reason, so to speak, that her son is dead. You know what I mean? And yep. the fact that they're like chums at this point at the, at the end, too. It's like I thought for at one point in time that like, you know, she was going to befriend Uma and then like ruin her in some way, too. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't about that. It wasn't about revenge. It was just about like, I think that there's some sort of connection to her son that she was like that she still could latch on to through Uma, I guess. And maybe by her just saying, see you later at the end, I don't know where I'm going. Like there's some some sort of closure with her son. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah. I'll see you later. And like, you, you're okay with it now. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it could be so many things. It could be suggesting that, the, you know, that they have, that they have a see you later in their lives now, that it's not Manuela disappearing again, or it could just be, I just thought this would be a cool line to end the movie on. In the same yeah, it's way like the we- Hamilton gasp, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. Or the way that Women on the Verge ends with this, like, random dream that this side character that slept yeah. the whole movie had. And I just, I find that fascinating that now we have seen twice of the, four, of the three movies we've covered, and we'll see what happens with Parallel Mothers. We have seen a movie end with a random moment with a supporting character. And like, Ugh. those are the moments that I am most excited by. So yeah, I can't wait. God, Ugh. God bless you, Pedro. Well, I know. Uh, I'm so glad we did this. I, I adore this movie. I, I, I also just have to mention like the abundance of, of the Almodovar red in this movie. The, the it's love gorgeous. letter to the color red in this movie. Ugh. There was one yep. scene when they are going back, when they're at Manuela's apartment, when Yuma comes over and like Manuela takes her coat off, Rosa takes her coat off. They're each wearing red and it was just these reveals of yeah. red. And I was just like, oh my God. And like Yuma is of course head to toe red. And it's it just stunning. I just, I, I loved that scene. That mm-hmm. the four of them together and yep. how no one... They just kind of slipped into conversation. No one is like questioning anything. And there's so much going on that like the four of them don't really know about. You know what I mean? Because Uma's new to the crowd and Agrado's mm-hmm. been around forever. And no one knows that the Penelope, Penelope Cruz is dying. It's just like, <gasps> and they're just like having some drinks and laughing. Ugh. Yeah, that, that there is this kind of like Nancy Myers laughing in the kitchen scene. 
yes. you know, uh, in this movie as well. Uh, amid, yes, Penelope Cruz pregnant and dying of HIV and Manuela grieving the loss of her son and Yuma Rojo mm-hmm. and all of her dramas as the actress and, and of course, Best Supporting a Grotto. I mean, that these women with so much tragedy and weight in their lives could also sit around and drink champagne and eat ice cream and laugh and talk about dicks. I mean... Yes. Ugh. I, I mean, what more could you ask? <laughs> what a way. I think we should end right there. Uh, yeah, I think I'm like, that's like, see that, you later, yep. end episode. <laughs> yeah, and here comes that music, that gorgeous there music, uh, you know, from earlier in the movie. Uh, here it is now, playing us off. So, until we wrap up our Almay Dovar, Almay Dovar, Almay Dovar, Almay Dovar, month of Almodovar, uh, next week. Until then, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other two podcasts, I guess, because Squirrel Friends mm. is back up and running. Uh, if you are into Drag Race, Amanda Kaczynski, friend of the pod, and I have resurrected Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour for All Star 7, which is starting, I guess, this week. And uh, we'll be having new episodes next week, uh, next week, which is so much fun. And um, the Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast, which I, I took two weeks off. I need to get back on. It's like three podcasts is a lot to, to be consistent. Yep. So, uh, you know, have some grace. But, it, uh, you know, it's, it's all it, I'll come back. Anyway, uh, you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Kachanov. How about you? Well, you can find me on In the Details, A Celebration of Nuance, or you can find me on All Right, Mary, also covering All-Star 7. If you want to compare and contrast like the old yeah. days, you know, let's see what the Squirrel Friends are saying. Let's see what All Right, Mary is saying. <laughs> uh, we, you can do that. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Drucker underscore, and you can find more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And, you know, I don't know how to say keep your peepers peeled in Spanish, but I'll look it up for next week. Because the conversation is continuing on Patreon on the Best Supporting After Show, where we will be catching up as usual on all of the things we've been watching, eating, doing, experiencing in our travels. And, uh, oh, of course, yes. so much more. And um, the only way to find out and also to get early access to these episodes, these main episodes, is to join us as a BSAtreon on patreon.com slash BSApod. Yeah, go sign up. We had a couple new uh, BSAtreons this week. I mean, it's a party. I was so happy to see that. So welcome yeah. and, you know, come join us. And I'm going to learn how to say this in Spanish as well because that is... As they say, is that. Es esta.